As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and happy Monday after a crazy whirlwind of uh, of a week last week for IU football. We're talking about what had happened. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be along shortly. Uh, we'll give our reaction to Kevin Wilson's resignation. Uh, we'll talk to Matt Weaver from Peaks.com about uh, how it impacts recruiting. We'll talk about Tom Allen being promoted. And, of course, we'll talk about uh, IU going to the Foster Farms Bowl to play uh, Utah on December 28th. Uh, now we welcome in T.J. Inman. T.J., how are you? I am doing very well. Kind of cold right now. Uh, definitely is full season, and it feels like it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely bowl season. But first, before we get into that, I, I do want to catch up our listeners on uh, what happened last week. Uh, on, yeah. I believe it was Thursday, wasn't it, or Wednesday? One of those days. Yes, it I don't broke know. It uh, Thursday around – yeah, Thursday around like three, three fifteen, something like that. The, the bombshell drop. Yeah, Thursday and... in the three o'clock hour, uh, we learned that uh, Kevin Wilson uh, was resigning from uh, Indiana University as their head football coach. I'll, I'll, there's a lot of stuff going around about um, players being forced to play with injuries. Um, I believe there have been three players that have come out uh, to talk about that, and then there have been players that have come out and defended Kevin Wilson, uh, most notably guys like Jason Spriggs, Shane Wynn, uh, Richard Lego uh, from this year's team, Mitch Ewald, uh, and, and then uh, Shannon Griffith. Yeah, Cassaro. And then Shannon Griffith wrote a a, um, a wonderful story about Wilson, uh, who Shannon Griffith is the father of Isaac Griffith, who had an unfortunate accident down in Florida where he nearly drowned and, and was in a, in a coma down in Florida. And he was saying how Wilson cared so much about his son that he would drive up from the Florida Keys to visit him in the hospital multiple times uh, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it could be sour grapes on one side and, and something else on the other, but um for whatever it is, he left two and a half million dollars uh, or thereabouts on the table. Uh, so clearly there was, there was some, something wrong and, and Fred Glass cited philosophical differences uh, with that. And, you know, it, it's, you hear a lot of chatter during times like this and uh, we'll see where it goes. And, and IU hires Tom Allen as the permanent head coach at the same press conference in which they announced Kevin Wilson had resigned. Uh, so it, it was a busy, busy week. And then you have, of course, the bowl game. So what's your take on uh, Kevin Wilson's resignation and, and the hiring of Tom Allen, TJ? Well, uh, it, it certainly um, certainly caught me off guard uh, on, on Thursday. Uh, you knew that it was not a – on-the-field performance issue uh, because Indiana certainly would not make a move at coaching uh, at the coaching position for back-to-back six-and-six seasons, so you knew it was something else. Uh, it quickly found out that it, it was uh, at, at the absolute minimum uh, there were concerns over uh, Kevin Wilson's demeanor and behavior, I guess, towards uh, some players that were injured during his time at Indiana. Um, we know that Kevin Wilson came to Indiana from Oklahoma, and at the beginning of his head coaching tenure, uh, while he was trying to, to find his way as a head coach, uh, his behavior towards uh, some of the some of the people within the Indiana athletic department uh, and, and just the, the women's community at whole. Uh, got some criticism of being too gruff uh, and, and just I guess that the most simplest way to put it was he was being uh, kind of a jerk, kind of a hard ass uh, towards some people within the community. Now, by all accounts, that improved quite a bit 
fairly quickly once he kind of uh, realized that you don't have to behave that way uh, to be a football coach. You don't have to behave that way. Or maybe it was strictly just he had a discussion with Fred Glass and, you know, decided, okay, I, I, I need to, to stop behaving like that or I'm not going to have a job very long. Whatever the case, it appears by all accounts that that, that bad behavior, I guess, uh, kind of righted itself pretty quickly, and then he began to get uh, more well-liked. I don't think he was ever somebody that, you know, the majority of people just absolutely adored, but I, I think he was more well-liked as, as time went on uh, and kind of found himself and then found, you know, how to uh, to behave and, and just, in simplest terms, not be a jerk. Uh, however, according to Fred Glass, in November of this season, some of that, quote, bad behavior uh, bubbled over once again. And I think that there were some, uh, as we know now, there was an investigation uh, in 2015, Indiana Winfield Bowl game. The investigation determined that medical care was not compromised, which to me, that is very important. It does not appear that, according to the investigations by external law firm, uh, so this is not someone that was, you would hope, not someone, uh, not a law firm that was just trying to cover Indiana's, you know, cover Indiana's backside. Uh, medical care was not compromised in any situations. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but according to these reports, uh, medical in the investigations, medical care was not compromised. So for me, that's very important uh, that the players that were given medical care for injuries, it was not compromised. Now, there there have there's been at least one article that's come out that, that would suggest maybe otherwise that, that a player was, was rushed back from an injury, uh, a back injury and, and um, had still is still having complications from that. But I think that the large crux of the issue is glass and Kevin Wilson had continue to have, I guess, as Fred Glass said, philosophical differences, which to me, I read between the lines and I say, uh, as Fred Glass, was, you can quote him in the press conference, demanding without being demeaning. And I think that in Fred Glass's eyes, Kevin Wilson too often went to a place of demeaning players. And in this case, I suppose we can say it was injured players. Uh, kind of maybe he thought, that those were motivational tactics to get them to work harder in rehab or, or however you want to do. We cannot put ourselves into situations we were not at. It is turning into a kind of a he said, he said with uh, different factions, I guess, within former players. Um, but it, it appears that Fred Glass believed Kevin Wilson went to a place of demeaning, uh, whereas uh, he is more of a positive leadership kind of guy. Uh, and we've heard Tom Crane say the same thing, be demanding without being demeaning. So I think it's obvious that's something that within the athletic department that's talked about. Um, I think overall for the program, it's very important to look at the positives that Kevin Wilson did accomplish here. There's a lot of people and a lot of players that, that really feel like they owe a lot to Kevin Wilson and that he did a lot for their football careers and for themselves as developing as, as young men. Um, I think it's very important to look at that. I will remember Kevin Wilson's time at Indiana fondly. Uh, the, the offenses with Kevin Coleman and Jordan Howard and Nate Sudfeld, uh, those are going to be you know some of the best offenses that we ever see at Indiana. Uh, and, and, and this year, seeing seen the defense improve as it did, and Indiana finding a way to get to six wins despite often not playing its best. I'll remember that fondly as well. However, you do have to counterbalance that with the negatives, which were at times, you know, he was uh, unnecessarily uh, harsh with with media and, and at press conferences. I thought that he... Um, if, if these reports are true, which it appears that it, you know, there is some, I would say, 
maybe not a smoking gun incident per se, but uh, a large, maybe a, a handful of incidents that if if there's nothing there, if these are all just made up, then there's no way Kevin Wilson resigns. So there is some uh, some behavior you don't want to see. You don't want to have players forced back from injury. So I think that there's kind of two sides to the coin. And for Indiana football as a whole, I know that some people would, would have liked to have a, a, a national search done. Um, I was perfectly fine with promoting Tom Allen as the head coach. I think he deserves this opportunity. And I think this could, as we'll discuss uh, you know, further on, I think this could end up being a net positive for Indiana football if Tom Allen uh, can keep the offense humming along at a somewhat comparable pace to what it has been. And let's not kid ourselves, this year's offense was not good. It was, it was fine, but it wasn't good, and it certainly wasn't great. So if Indiana's offense can kind of return somewhat to form uh, to what we saw somewhere in between 2015 and 2016, uh, and I think this could end up being a, a very good hire for Indiana football, and I have absolutely no problem with them immediately naming Tom Allen the head coach. Uh, and I, I, I hope that the current team uh, is not kind of divided over what happened. I, I know that a lot of guys are going to be disappointed uh, with, the, with Kevin Wilson leaving abruptly, and I certainly understand that. And it appears that a lot of former players and a lot of current players uh, did not have a problem with Kevin Wilson. So I don't think this was some, uh, you know, every player felt mistreated or, or Kevin Wilson was consistently, you know, a, a demeaning force towards the Indiana players. But it, it's clear that there were a few too many incidents than there should have been, and it ultimately led to uh, led to his tenure ending, ending at Indiana some good, some bad, and, and I, I think a lot right now it, it appears that the negative is mostly what's getting covered, uh, and I, I don't think that's entirely fair towards what he's accomplished in Indiana, but for me it's excitement for Tom Allen, uh, and I'll, I'll remember Kevin Wilson's tenure in Indiana uh, largely positively. Yeah, and to me it's, you know, I, I'm hearing a lot in the background more about how he's treated support staff um, and, yep. you know, administrators and, and things like that. And those things, as Fred Glass said, there was no smoking gun. Uh, there was no singular event uh, that precipitated the change. But those things add up. And then you have these three players who it looks like are Nick Caravellano, um, Larray Smith, and, and Dom Booth. And it's... It, all three guys look like they have an axe to grind, and uh, whether or not they were mistreated um, or things like that, uh, who you know, we don't we don't know. We didn't see anything um, at practice. Right. I, I know that in the Indy Star article, they, they, there's a medical tent uh, that's outside for for injured players to to work through. But the thing to me that stands out is that all year fans have been complaining about how long. IU players take to get back from injury and, and things like that. You know, like Dan Feeney took four weeks to come back from a a concussion. And I can't tell you how many times we've gotten tweets, texts, emails. Hey, when's Dan Feeney coming back? What's up with Dan Feeney? Is this more than a concussion? You know, things like that. We wondered, we wondered ourselves. Yeah. Um, You know, who, who knows uh, what actually went on, um, you know, I feel bad for those three players if they're, you know, they, those injuries prevent them from, from playing football. Don Booth is never cleared by IU to play again. He was cleared by an outside doctor. So it wasn't, you know, something's not right there. If you're forcing him to play, why is he not cleared by an IU doctor? Um, and, and he wants to play and things like that. And, and he's looking to transfer um, in the spring as well. Uh, so, you know, something wasn't, wasn't right there. And I don't think it's all on player mistreatment now, you know, could that have been an issue where he was barking at players, you know, calling them names and and whatnot for, for not playing. And did that rub people the wrong way? Probably. Um, yeah, but you know, I don't think he was, you know, another thing is 
you know, one of the players said he was forced to run six miles after going through concussion protocol. When in football are you running six miles? Um, you know, if you're running six miles, you're either something's wrong or you're, you know, there's clearly something wrong. Because if you're running for six miles and some team's scoring 100 touchdowns um, or, you know, something's wrong. Um, but, yeah. you know, who who knows? Uh, we're going to move on from it uh, unless something bigger comes out. And we're going to get Matt Weaver on here uh, in a few minutes to talk about uh, recruiting yep. the impact that Tom Allen will be recruiting. Uh, will one, have one on thing recruiting, real quick. So. One thing real quick. Uh, just because of the timing of this, and I, I, in case people did not see this, because there was a flurry of news that came out, uh, Xander Diamant was not one of the players who was alleging mistreatment. Uh, yes, he is stepping away from football due to a concern about concussions, but he came out with a statement uh, saying he knew nothing about it and that he never felt mistreated or rushed back from any injuries at all from the IU, uh, IU staff or Kevin Wilson in particular. Um, so Xander Diamant, uh, you know, the timing of it was, was ironic, uh, but Xander Diamant was not one of the players that alleged mistreatment and, in fact, came out uh, and said he never felt at all mistreated or rushed back from injury. So I just wanted to point that out because I, I did get a couple questions about it. And, yes, the timing was ironic, but uh, totally Yeah, unrelated. and then it goes hand-in-hand hand with Wilson's comments after the Purdue game where he said, uh, you know, he, he I think he asked if, you know, asked if Xander was going to, you know, hey, are you having second thoughts about coming back and stuff like that. But – that was way at, before Xander even mentioned that it was a concussion issue and that he needed his brain. Yeah. But uh, right now, let's bring in Matt Weaver from Peaks.com to talk a little uh, recruiting. Uh, Matt, how are you? <clears throat> I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Doing, Great, doing excellent. Um, so, Matt, uh, lots of changes going around with IU football today. Uh, well, last week. How is this going to have an impact on, on recruiting? It seems like the, the recruits have, twi- uh, have tweeted out their support for Coach Allen uh, and the, the current staff. Well, I mean, so far it doesn't look like um, there's any commits that um, are really wavering. I mean, there's probably a few that maybe have some questions or kind of you may be a little bit confused. But I think for the most part I'm hearing that the, the class is still committed, um, still pretty solidly committed. Um you know, how it changes recruiting, it obviously changes basically – the big change is, is how the coaches go out because now Tom Allen is the head coach, and the head coach is only allowed to do, if I'm not mistaken, one in-home per recruit, whereas uh, an assistant coach can do one in-home per week. So he can go see a guy, you know, two, three weeks in a row and do an in-home, whereas as a head coach he can only go one time overall. So they got to kind of juggle the schedule a little bit to kind of change that. Um, and then you have Sean Watson, who's out on the road recruiting. He was a quality control coach, and he's taken over quarterback uh, coach duties, you know, leading up to the bowl game. Um, he's out on the road recruiting. And actually him and um, Coach Johns went down to Texas last night and saw a, a receiver, Bo Corrales, um, who I think is supposed to be visiting next week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So the biggest change really is just kind of doing the schedule and kind of getting all that stuff lined up. But – as far as the targets, I don't think that'll change much, and and you know you hope that the commitment class doesn't change much as far as any guys uh, jumping ship. Matt, this this the class being largely uh, largely of a defensive nature so far. Do you think that that has something? I mean, it's kind of a fortunate thing, but do you think that it has something to do with uh, the class really having no doubts that yeah, I kind of committed to Tom Allen and, and Mark Hagan and and the defensive guys, and, and they're still going to be there, clearly. So do you think that is playing a role in kind of a seamless transition recruiting-wise? Yeah, I think it definitely helps. I mean, Tom Allen, obviously he didn't come in until, you know, what back in, I think, January, mid-January. So um, yeah. he's relatively new. But still, he was, um, you know, obviously heavily involved in recruiting all these defensive guys, him and Coach Hagan, who came in around the same time. Um, and, you know, a number of the uh, – uh, defensive, uh, well, what, uh, seven of them, I believe, are, are um, 
uh, D-line commits of the nine that they have of their total of 15. So, um, you know, I think that that is definitely a, a you know, very beneficial thing. and definitely helps, uh, you know, keep those guys on board because that, that that's who they're committing to. The way Kevin Wilson had set up, he was basically the head coach of the offense and the D coordinators, the kind of the head coach of the defense. And for those guys, that's not really changing. What going forward, um, you know, Matt, they have 15 commits. Uh, are you looking at, one, uh, how many total commits are they looking to taking? And, two, uh, what else do they need in this class? We, we were, we've been talking um, amongst, you know, ourselves at Hoosier Huddle and then, you know, uh, with, with fans that they probably are going to need a linebacker, uh, maybe a quarterback, a defensive back, and, and a running back. What are uh, some of the other needs in this class, if any? Well, I think, um, you know, they're at 15. Really, it's 16 because you've got to count Ryan Smith, who signed in, uh, back in February with the 2016 class, but he's basically gray-shirting. So he kind of he jumps forward to this class. So I think it's going to be close to a full class, if not a full class. So if you assume they got 25 spots uh, or 25 signees coming in, you've got nine spots left. You know, defensively, you know, they still want – they still like to get Bobby Roundtree, the D-N, um, from out of down in Largo, Florida, where they've had a lot of success recruiting. Um, probably a couple linebackers. Um, and then, uh, you know, one or two – I'm guessing probably two corners. So there's five right there. You know, they want to get a quarterback. Um, I think they're done on the O-line. I think they're done at tight end. Um, so you get a quarterback, uh, a couple receivers – and a running back that puts you at nine more guys. So that's kind of how I see it. I mean, offense, with Xander leaving, you know, I think they need to get a quarterback. I think that really maybe didn't need it before, but now I think you kind of have to get a quarterback. And then, you know, you'd like to get a running back. You don't lose anybody. Um, and maybe the safe bet is Camion goes back there next year. But you're going to have a couple seniors in Camion and Dev- Divine if that happens. Um, so you want to start kind of playing for the future. And then receiver, you're losing a couple guys. Um, so – you know, like to get a couple of receivers and then um like I said, another D end, a couple linebackers, couple corners. Matt, let's switch it to to Kevin Wilson leaving. What what are your thoughts on, on how he left? What does it mean for this program that Tom Allen's gonna take over? Well, I mean I you know, I don't think anything like this is ever ideal. I think as splits go, um, and let's you know, for lack of a better word, divorces go. This is probably about as amicable as as you could get. Um, you know, I, I I caught a little bit of what you guys were talking about. I don't completely buy the uh, the injury reason. I think there was more stuff to it. Um, but obviously, that wasn't that was an issue um, and a concern. I'm going back to I think 2015 with uh, you know Caraviano and and the Dom, Dominic Booth situation, um, you know, it's just, it's a tough deal. I think, I think, uh, to, you know, having Tom Allen on staff, um, you know, I'm not saying they made a decision because of that, but it makes it a lot easier to make this decision. I mean, if it's a year ago, there's really no head coach in waiting on the staff, in my opinion. So, you know, you might still make the decision if you're in that position, but you're probably going to have to go out and do a national search. Um, I think it gives them the – the most seamless transition. I mean, it's not totally uh, without its without its you know bumps in the road. But if you can keep keep most of the staff together, you keep the commitments together. I think it keeps the program basically headed on the same path it was. If you start over with a new coach, more than likely you're getting a mid-major guy. And to me, you're setting the program back a couple of years because this class is basically going to be junk. The 2018 class would probably be mediocre at best. And so you have two bad classes, which would show up in three or four years on the field. I think this is the best chance to keep the program headed on the trajectory it was going. You know, it's not ideal, obviously, but, you know, I think Tom Allen's got a chance to be a, to be a good head coach. He's got everything you're looking for. He just doesn't have the experience, but, you know, neither did Kevin Wilson. So it's going to be an interesting interesting time, especially the next month. I'll be interested to see what happens with the staff after, after the bowl game and maybe even after signing day, um, if there's any changes, any tweaks to it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there are, but we'll have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, that, that's been a, a popular question. Go ahead, yeah, TJ. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how I mean, we 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 cannot kind of have any idea really what uh, how recruits are going to view the offensive side of the ball because 
you know, Kevin Wilson was so synonymous with the Indiana offense. And um, I know that there were quite a few concerns from Indiana fans about, you know, well, you know, why aren't we getting that kind of blue chip or even close to blue chip quarterback in here? So you kind of wonder, well, was, was that something with the coaching staff and will a change in the offensive staff kind of uh, allow us to, to get that, that name quarterback? But I think for me the biggest question uh, in recruiting is how big of a can can it have in-state uh, I think that the 2017 class looks pretty strong in state for Indiana, and I think Tom Allen, for me, deserves a lot of credit for that. And I've I've heard from a couple of different uh, area indie area high school coaches that uh, they they really love Tom Allen and and would feel very good about sending their players to a program led by him. Uh, what kind of impact do you think it can have in state to have Tom Allen? as the head coach at IU. Well, I, like you said, I don't. I, I think it can only help it. I mean, they, they've done really well in state this year. Last year, obviously, they struggled. I think they only got two guys. You know, I, to me, that was a lot. A lot of that was attributed to kind of the uncertainty because you have to remember when they were recruiting those guys. You know, people were wondering what was going to happen with Kevin Wilson, the contract. He didn't have the new contract yet. Um, the, what the one thing this staff has not done under Kevin Wilson in state is they haven't really been able to get one of those top two or three guys, one of those four or five star, well, they've gotten four star, yep. but like a, a five star, like a, you know, they did have Gunnar Keel for a while, but that didn't pan out like a Hunter Johnson or a Brandon Peters or one of these kind of marquee guys where you beat out Ohio state or Notre Dame or Michigan or somebody like that. And they did it a few years ago with, you know, uh, David Kenny and Tony Allen and Darius Latham class. Obviously that was a monumental disaster when you look <laughs> back on it, but, um, they still did get some good guys, but to me, that's what I'm interested to see. And going forward, um, can you can you nab one of those you know top tier guys and beat out a big time program? Um, you know, and it's really hurt in the last couple of years at quarterback, as you said, because they've had two really good ones in back to back years. And really, I mean, they were close with Brandon Peters, Hunter Johnson. I don't know if it ever got that far down the road, but Brandon Peters, you know, I think they were. The thing I've heard is they were the second choice, but you know, it, at some point you got to stop being the bridesmaid and be the bride. You got to get somebody. Yeah. What, do you think that this staff has a well? I, I guess is it fair to say that we don't know uh, how recruits are going to view this staff because we don't know what the offensive side is quite going to look like. We don't know about Kevin John's future. We don't know uh, if Sean Watson is going to be. It appears to me that. You know, moving him into the quarterback's coach would indicate he's going to be a part of the staff in some capacity uh, after the bowl game. But uh, so I guess first question is: Is it fair to say we don't know uh, how recruits are going to view the offensive side? So that there might be a while before we get another offensive commit as they kind of wait and see. Uh, and then question two is: If we can kind of gauge how recruits might view a change, or just say I like Tom Allen in general. Uh, do you think this staff will start to be able to to land you know some of those top guys in state that are on the offensive side of the ball that so far are choosing you know usually Michigan or Notre Dame or or Ohio State uh, and I guess Clemson in, in the case of Hunter Johnson as well so I guess kind of twofold there uh, for how you see the offensive side offensive side shaking out recruiting wise. Well, the first question, um, uh, that's something I haven't – you know, I'm going to try to get a hold of Tyler Knight because he visited this weekend um, and took his official this weekend, and he is an early enrollee. But, I, you know, one of the things I want to kind of ask him is what was the message from Tom Allen um, yeah. about the offensive side, you know, more specifically your your position coach, Greg Fye, who's extremely popular. Um, uh, you know, with, he does a great job recruiting no alignment, and he, he's a popular guy with, with his recruits. Um, and then just kind of, you know, the offense in general, you know, I don't know how much they told him, how much he's allowed to talk about, but, you know, I'm going to see. And then, I, you know, I'm going to try to get a hold of Bo Corrales, um, who I said, like I said earlier, um, Sean Watson and Kevin Johns went down to see uh, last night. And, you know, that kind of tells you what they think about him because, uh, you know, their first night out, they go down to see him. So he's obviously a guy that they're they're really targeting. I mean, his his senior film is outstanding. His stats were phenomenal. Um, he's down in Texas, so you know he's playing good competition. I've messaged with his dad a little bit. He really, really likes Indiana. He'd prefer 
in an ideal world, I think he'd like to play closer to Texas, but he loves Indiana, and I think they got a great shot to land him. Um, but to me, that was before when I was messaging him. That was when there was the staff hadn't had this change. So we'll see how yeah. it is after this. But that's one of the questions I'm going to ask is, you know, have what kind of feedback have you gotten? Because you're going to have to get tell these guys something. It's going to have. I'm sure there's a plan in place. I just don't know what it is right now. And then the second question. That's one of the interesting questions or things for me is can Tom Allen um, do what Indiana hasn't done for the most part, and that's nab one of the – you know, like the number one player in the state. The number one player in the state of Indiana is usually a guy that's good enough to play almost anywhere in the country. Um, that may, may not be the case every single year, but lately it has been. And usually you have, you know, maybe a couple more of those guys. Can they – you know, they've gotten kind of that four to five on down range as far as the rankings in Indiana. Can they get one, two, or three? Um, and with Tom Allen and his connections, I think they got a good shot. Now, a lot of it's going to, you know, you need to kind of do it on the field too and show players want to see that the programs continue to move the right direction. But, you know, I think Allen, and nothing against Kevin Wilson, he was a good recruiter. I mean, Indiana's recruiting is as good as it's been ever under Kevin Wilson. Um, But for whatever reason, and I still, I'm not sure I can put my finger on it, they just struggled at quarterback um, and that's, that's nothing against Austin King or Peyton Ramsey or even Richard Lego, but they always were kind of going down the recruiting board. These were kind of like their second or third choices instead of getting their first choice. And it's really the only position that I can think of where they never got their first choice it, pretty much the entire time they were recruiting, you know, the different positions. So uh, I, the second part, to me, it's kind of wait and see. I, I like their chances, but we'll have to kind of see how, how it shakes out and, you know, what the what the – kind of plan is with the staff going forward and the way they recruit. Matt, um, there was some breaking news today out of uh, Purdue with Jeff Brom being named head coach. Uh, you know, a lot of IU fans are, are feeling a little bit uneasy that now Purdue has, has passed us up on, you know, a, a quality of coach maybe. Was there any issue? Did you have any issue with uh, Fred Glass? not conducting a, a search, or was this a, a little bit of IU was too late to the party um, in terms of starting a coaching search that may have just landed on Tom Allen anyway? Um, no, I mean, listen, was there a part of me that was like, well, let's, you know, because of where the program's at as compared to where it was six years ago, um, was there a part of me that said, you know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of names you could get if you open it up? Sure, but as I said earlier, you know, I think if you – let's be honest. I mean, what's – what's you know, Indiana's paying – the contract for Kevin Wilson was about $15 million, I think, for six years, so roughly $2.5 million. The I could see – to me, the most they would go is $3 million a year. I, I don't see them going over that. And probably if they would open a national search, maybe you go two seven five two eight. You're still going for a guy where it's a bit of a gamble. You're going to go for kind of the mid-major or maybe a coordinator type – and there's risk involved. So my thing is, I think you, if you, by hiring Tom Allen, you've minimized some of that risk because you've got the staff in place, you got him in place, um, you kind of know what you got as far as how he deals with people, how he works, you know, what he's done. Um, so I, to me, I, I didn't have a big problem with it. I know, I'm sure there are fans that do, but, you know, I mean, until, unless Indiana was going to, pony up four or five million, which is not going to happen because they're not going to pay their football coach more than their basketball coach. That's just, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be playing that game. And like you said, you're, you're quite a bit behind. I mean, Purdue's had what a couple of months or so, at least I'm trying to think when they fired Hazel, it's been a while, if not two months. Mid October. Okay. So yeah, you're, you're, you're way behind them and that's who you're going to be competing with. You're going to be competing with them and, you know, Cincinnati, um, Tuberville resigned, but I would guess that Cincinnati has probably at least kind of had some names in mind because of the poor season mm-hmm. they had. So while they may not have actively started the search, they've probably got an idea of who they're going to go after. So I don't have a problem with the route Indiana took at all. I think, I think all things considered, I think it was, it was the right choice, and I think Tom Allen's going to do a good job. All right. Um, thanks, Matt, for joining us uh, today. Uh, we look forward to your coverage uh, more. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the bowl game. How important is it um, for for this uh, this team to go out to California, play a game on national TV against the 19th-ranked uh, Utah team? Well, I think for the you know um, you know for the this this has probably been hardest on on this on the players 
this whole situation because yeah. you know they were they were close to Kevin Wilson. So I think you know not just the bowl game, but just getting back out on the practice field, which they've started to do a little bit. Um, it's probably kind of a little bit of um, almost like therapy for them. I mean, that's where they can go out and they can play football and they don't have to think about all the stuff. You know, they don't have the the social media stuff hitting them up. So you know, I I think I, you know. Two schools of thought, and some people are like, well, this team could be flat and all that. I think they're going to rally. I think they're going to, you know, if to me, I would be more worried if if Tom Allen would have been just kind of like a lame duck interim coach. Then I would have been more worried yep. about the team's mindset because then you're then as a player, you're 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 probably thinking as much about who's my next coach going to be. Is it going to be Tom Allen or is it going to be somebody else? As you are about the game, I think they know they know they obviously know who their coach is. Now they can focus on the game. Um, you know, I don't think offensively things are going to change much. I don't think you completely, you know, overhaul what you've been doing for six plus or almost six years um, under Kevin Wilson. Kevin Johns has been there the whole time, so I think the offense, maybe the maybe the play calling is a little different. You know, that that remains to be seen. Defensively, we know what they're going to do, um, so I don't think there's going to be a huge change in how they do things. And you know, I think I mean Utah's a tough matchup. They they've got a solid squad, but I think it's a team that Indiana they play good teams. I mean, they're no better than Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or Nebraska, in my opinion. Indiana played all those teams toe to toe, and I expect them to do it when they go out to uh, California later this month. All right, thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, have a wonderful rest of the Monday. And I, I think your golfing weather is uh, has passed. Well. I, I feel completely under the weather myself, so I'm not going to be doing anything today. We're trying to get a little bit of work done. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Thank guys. you very Take much, care. Matt. Yeah, we appreciate it. That was Matt Weaver from Pigs.com. Uh, TJ, some big takeaways, um, and, and I want to compare it to uh, Purdue hiring Brom, is that IU had started their, we'll call it a coaching search, but – um, the new coaches are starting way higher than, than Purdue is uh, in terms of, yep. as Matt said, keeping the train rolling in the, in the right direction. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. Um, TJ, you, uh, you wrote about Utah today. Uh, just a, a preliminary uh, forecast for the bowl game. Uh, Utah went 8-4, and 5-4 and, five and four in, in the uh, Pac-12. Uh, they they kind of slid off at the end of the season. I think they lost three of the last four games. Uh, they yes. lost to, to Oregon, Colorado, uh, and a couple other teams. But this is a, a very good team uh, with a great defensive line. Uh, you know, what else do we need to know about Utah? Yeah, yeah. The lost three of the last four is correct. Uh, you know, two of those losses, Washington and, and Colorado, uh, certainly understandable. Those are both very good teams. Oregon, not a good team this year, and that was a home loss, which was really surprising for Utah, uh, and I, I think very disappointing. And that loss to Oregon, uh, I mean, they they had things on the line. You know, they were still alive for the Pac-12 South Championship uh, if they could have won those final two games. And the loss to Oregon ended that and made their game against Colorado. Uh, largely just playing for bowl position, uh, a win against Colorado in their season finale, and maybe they're in the Holiday Bowl or something like that. But, um, yeah, so they lost three of their last four. Uh, What jumps off the page to you right away uh, for this team is that defensive front. It's a ferocious pass rush. They're eighth in the country in sacks, uh, led by Hunter Dimmick, who is – I would compare him uh, kind of favorably to like a Carl – uh, Carl Nassib or Garrett Sickles, um, you know, just a, a really never-ending motor uh, pass rusher that has 14 and a half sacks. That is second in the country, only a half sack behind the leaders. Um, he's he's really really good, and he could take over a game uh, just from a pressure standpoint if Indiana kind of allows him to. They do move him around some, uh, but you can't really double him too much because the rest of the line is really good too. Uh, It would be foolish of me to try and pronounce some of the names on this without doing quite a bit of studying up on it because they have, you know, quite a few uh, Samoan Pacific Islander guys that, uh, that populate the Pac-12. Spelling nightmare. Yeah. uh, If you'll remember Starlo Tulele uh, for Utah, he is his uh, family member, uh, is a, a junior. They have uh, two other seniors that 
that start up front for them. So the, the veteran defensive line that really sets the tone for their defense. Offensively, uh, they have a backfield of Williams, Troy Williams as their quarterback. Uh, not that one who's your fans. Uh, this is a another Troy Williams that, you know, much like IU's version, uh, flashes brilliance at times, but is also quite erratic. Uh, I, I think he he kind of does compare just in, you know, baseline evaluation to Richard Lego. Uh, Lego has more potential and has a better arm, but they both, you know, show flashes of ability like, hey, this guy's really good. And then they'll miss two or three throws where it's kind of like, what what were you thinking? You know, what what's going on there? Where it's just, you know, you miss by five or six feet. Uh, so uh, he's he's not complete. He's not very efficient. I think it's like 53% on the season completion rate. Uh, he is capable of throwing the deep ball. Um, they have a running back by the name of Joe Williams who retired from football after the first two games of the season, wasn't doing much, uh, had less than 100 yards total in those first two games, walked away from football for a few weeks. Uh, Utah's backfield got depleted with injuries. The coaches went back to him and asked him to come back to the team if, if he you know, would reconsider his position. And he kind of said, you know, I've been missing it. I had liked that opportunity. So he came back and kind of rattled off a tremendous stretch of games where he was uh, just on fire, averaging, uh, I think he's 6.2 yards per carry on the season. Uh, and he's, he's over 1,100 yards now despite missing four games. So Joe Williams is, is kind of the bell cow of their offense. Uh, they do not have a ton behind him at running back because of the, some injuries. He is a senior, so this is going to be his last game at Utah. Uh, I, he'll have a shot in the NFL if he wants to take it. I don't know how he feels about football since he walked away from it. But uh, they'll lean on him on offense. He'll get 25 to 30 carries uh, on the 28th of December against Indiana. Now, I used played really good running backs before, uh, and they've done pretty well this year against them. The goal for Indiana's defense, before we get too deep into this game, just the, the, the bare-bones goal for Indiana is force this offense into third-and-long situations and make Troy Williams beat you. Uh, that's going to be what they do. They don't have a great receiving core. They're okay. Uh, they have a, a receiver, Tim Patrick, that that is their best. But, I mean, you know, he's just over 600 yards and hasn't scored since – September. So um, they don't have a great group of receivers. They're not, uh, it's not a position group that's going to scare you. Uh, Troy Williams, erratic, like I said, he's inconsistent, inefficient, capable of having very good games. But I mean, his last one against Colorado was dreadful. He was 13 of 40 uh, for like 100 and something yards with a touchdown and two picks. So stop Joe Williams, who's a very good running back. He'll be up there with the best Indiana's played at running back this year. Saquon Barkley's better, but uh, other than that, he's, he's right up there. Capable of breaking off the big play. Uh, he won't hurt you out of the backfield catching, so it's pretty much handoff to Troy Williams or to uh, to Joe Williams in a pro-style type offense, and uh, and they'll they'll go from there. It's kind of a spread spread look, but they they operate as kind of a pro-style with, with their running game. Uh, slow that down, force them into passing. And then on offense for Indiana, I, I think they'll need to rely on, uh, you know, you, the way to beat Utah is to kind of take their, their defensive front out of the game with quick passes, uh, you know, quick slants, uh, quick dropbacks that do not allow that pass rush to affect the game. Uh, Indiana has not a ton of that this season and they have not really been able to control the line of scrimmage as you would hope. So uh, it's going to be a big task for the offensive line and a, and a big task for, for play caller Kevin Johns to figure out how to kind of neutralize one of the best defensive lines in the country. So I, I think it's a very interesting matchup just you know, off the, just off the pace the first couple of days seeing it, Utah favored. Uh, right now by about nine points, I think, and most advanced stat models have it somewhere between seven and ten points for Utah. Um, this is certainly not an overwhelming opponent, but uh, Utah understandably the favorite in this matchup, and I 
I am looking forward to seeing how they come out motivation-wise. They're 9-1 and one in bowl games under Kyle Whittingham, who took over when Urban Meyer went to Florida. So he's been there for 12 years. And in the 10 games that they've gone to in bowls, he's 9-1. and one. So uh, he clearly knows how to do it. But motivation will be a bit of a factor. Playing Indiana, who I can't imagine their fans have too much respect for. Um, and then, you know, they, they are just, you know, a couple of short weeks away from feeling like they had a very legitimate chance at the Rose Bowl if they could win out, and then they lose those two games and find themselves in the Foster Farms Bowl. So motivation will be a bit of a concern for them. I think Indiana's going to go out there and then play very hard. I don't know how well they're going to play because it's impossible to tell, you know, with, with this you know, massive change of coaching and, uh, and just so much time off. But I think Indiana's going to be fresh you know, after playing 10 straight weeks. And I think that they'll, I think they'll put together a, a very tough, hard-nosed performance under Tom Allen. I think they'll play very hard for him in his first game. And uh, I think that's going to be kind of the, the tenor of his, his, however long his career is at Indiana. I think his teams are always going to play hard for him. Uh, and he's going to have guys that love him because he loves them. And I think that's kind of the message we've taken from Tom Allen so far in his time at Indiana. But as far as Utah goes, I, I do wonder if the Utes will come out with the, and match the fire that Indiana's going to play with. Uh, I think that this yeah, game and, and, will mean more. I think it'll mean more for the Hoosiers than it will for the Utes, but Utah, understandably a favorite. We'll have a ton more uh, preview coverage on this. We'll analyze this game to death, but um, I, I'm excited for the matchup. I think it'll, it'll look cool on TV. Uh, Utah's got some got some cool red and black uniforms. Indiana's got the red and white, so combinations will look nice. And hopefully, the weather will be will be nice in, in California and make it worth the trip for Hoosier fans. Yeah, and, and another thing, if Hoosier fans want to watch uh, some Utah games, um, you know, so, some people haven't been able to watch Pac-12 after dark. You could go to Pac-12 Networks. They have an app. Um, it's free. If you, it's like B, BTN to go. Uh, they have all the games in the 60-minute form, like um, like Big Ten football in 60 on there. Uh, it's a great way uh, to watch, you know, what Utah is. I've watched, you know, one or two of the games so far, and um, it, it's a good way to, to get to know that opponent. I'm looking forward to the trip out to uh, Santa Clara, uh, I, I'm not expecting a ton of IU fans, or uh, no. it's just such an expensive trip. It's so far. Uh, if you are going, I, I suggest flying into San Jose, staying in a hotel in San Jose. It's about an hour south of San Francisco. It's closer to Santa Clara. Um, it's closer to the stadium, and it's just generally cheaper. Uh, I know I've seen a lot of these uh, travel packages which have hotels in San Francisco and they're close to $4,000. Um, it, it will be an expensive trip, but I, I would suggest uh, looking down south in, in the San Jose area uh, for your hotels. It's closer to the stadium. It's cheaper. I, I think it, you know, it might not be as fun as San Francisco or as interesting as San Francisco, but it, it will sa- save you a, a little bit of money, and then it, there apparently there is a... Um, you know, commuter train that goes up to San Francisco. Uh, so you could go visit the uh, San Francisco area, the Bay Area, and do all that stuff. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I, it's a, a matchup we haven't uh, seen all that much. Uh, Utah last played Indiana uh, in 2002. They played three games all time. Uh, Indiana is behind in that series 2-1. Uh, to one. Uh, But it, it's a matchup that, you know, we don't get to see that often in, in any of the sports that IU plays. And yep. it'll be a uh, – it should help recruiting on the West Coast as, as it'll give uh, some some viewers uh, some eyeballs on that game. The game kicks off at 8.30 on Fox. Um, you know, th- there's a little overlap with IU. I think they play Nebraska in uh, basketball that evening. Uh, there's a slight... I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna bump that game up. I would. I would. I would bet quite a bit that they end up bumping the Nebraska game up to like five. Yeah. Well, but if we'll they see. don't bump I mean, it we'll up, see. there's about a half an hour overlap. So 
Um, that'll probably put you in the middle of the first quarter, the way college football games move. Uh, but it, it's a big day for IU, and uh, we'll have all your coverage on uh, HoosierHuddle.com. TJ, uh, thanks for joining us on this chilly Monday, and uh, we'll get you back inside. Absolutely, yeah. yeah I uh, appreciate uh, appreciate everybody that's listening to us. I know it was a, a bit of a crazy ending of last week, and uh, I do think that Indiana football is still very much on solid footing with a, with a good leader at the helm, and I'm excited for, for the bowl game and for for the offseason to, to start seeing what, uh, what the Tom Allen-led program looks like, and I know he's excited to, to lead it. It means a lot to him uh, to be the head coach at IU. You can really tell that, and I think it'll show on the field. Definitely. Uh, so thanks for uh, joining us for the podcast. Come back to HoosierHuddle.com often. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, we'll have all your bowl coverage, uh, regular bowl, uh, regular game day coverage or game week coverage, uh, and then any updates on recruiting, um, any other bombshell news that might come out and, and things like that. Also, uh, Christmas and holiday season is upon us. We still have our Amazon ads up. On the uh, on the website right now, we changed it from uh, on the rebound to uh, the new IU football jersey with the candy striped sleeves. So, you know, if you're looking for good Christmas gifts and you look on Amazon, uh, please help us out. Uh, it helps uh, with expenses uh, of running the site. It's not free to run, uh, but we want to keep it free to you, the fans. And you can help us out a lot by doing your holiday shopping on Amazon.com. Uh, through our uh, link on our site, and uh, we appreciate the support. We've had uh, a handful of people already order through there, so uh, thank you to them. And we'll be back uh, with a more in-depth preview on uh, on Utah and uh, on recruiting as as we move forward. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.